Welcome once again to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, and I'm joined by the Utah State Senator, Todd Weiler. Hey, Todd. Hey, Corey. It's great to be back. Indeed. We want to continue to help you guys get to know us, so we figure there's no way better than to share our most intimate personal experiences. That's what we're going to do on this podcast. That's the kind of podcast this is. So on that note, Todd, how did you decide to run for state senate? Well, um, my predecessor resigned to run against Orrin Hatch, so there was an open seat, and I'd kind of been waiting for, I don't know, quite a while for an open seat. So it came along, and I decided to run. I I like to joke that my political interests uh, result from a genetic defect. <laughs> so you didn't, uh, you were never a house guy then before. I, I actually, a uh, little known fact, I ran for for the house in. Uh, 20, uh, 20, 2000. And I, I lost very narrowly in a June 2000 primary. So I tried the house first. It just didn't work out. Oh, it sounds like it was a good thing. It didn't. Well, this, this, that's, that's a great story. And it reminds me of one of my favorite political stories. Maybe you've heard this one before, before he became president of the United States, George HW Bush, that's the Papa Bush, you know, um, Bush 41. He served as a Congressman from Texas, the Houston area. And in 1969, President Lyndon Johnson had just finished his time as president and had returned back to Texas to retire. And Bush decided to go see him to ask for his, his advice because Bush was thinking hard about leaving his safe congressional seat to run for the Senate against uh, a Democratic incumbent. And so he asked LBJ, like, what do you think and what are your thoughts on that? And LBJ sat back in his seat and in a long Texas drawl, he answered, George, the difference between the Senate and the House is the difference between chicken salad and chicken All right, so let's get to some policy and politics. Democratic state representatives shut down the Texas House on Monday after chartering a jet and flying to Washington, D.C., and by leaving town, they denied the Texas House a quorum to conduct business and temporarily blocked passage of an election reform bill being put forward by the Republican majority. Todd, you're a prominent state legislator, and uh, you had some Twitter traffic on this this week. I did. Should we stand up and applaud these stunning and brave heroes? No. You know, I if they want to make a stand, if they want to you know, light their hair on fire to get attention, I, I think that's their prerogative. But this is the proverbial, we're going to take our ball and go home. And it, it's a short-term strategy with no long-term feasible goal. I mean, um, they're not going to shut down the Texas state legislature forever. And um, it's really a false narrative that by uh, requiring voter ID and by requiring some protections for mail-in voting that are really in place in like over a dozen Democrat blue states, that somehow that that's the new Jim Crow. It's, It's just a false narrative. It's just ridiculous. But I, I think even worse, well, the, the the optics were bad with them chartering private planes. You know, one, one of the legislators boarded with over a, a with a case of beer. I mean, that's not a typical uh, thing that you take a case of beer on a plane with you. So it's been dubbed the the beer flight by Fox News. <laughs> and of course, you know, they're they're like tweeting pictures of themselves eating Caesar salads. But Um, All of that is, I think, really bad optics for them. Uh, You know, also them being the minority party and trying to disrupt 
the business of the majority. But it even gets worse when they get to D.C. So first of all, they're in D.C. to lobby for overturning, um, you know, cloture or the the filibuster. And the, the filibuster is designed to um, support and preserve minority rights. And so they're the minority party in Texas trying to overrule the majority and then coming <laughs> coming to D.C. and saying, hey, the minority shouldn't have any rights in D.C. because we happen to control the Senate for for right now. So, I mean, I think that's very hypocritical, bad take. And then you have Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris <laughs> comparing them to Frederick Douglass and calling them all heroes. I mean, I mean, normally we expect our heroes to do more than fly a private chartered jet, drink beer and eat, um, you know, <laughs> Caesar salads to, to, to actually um, achieve that hero status. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a bad look. I, I know Republicans did this. Well, they walked out in Oregon some years ago, um, but uh, I don't think um, undermining democracy by subverting you know, the majority party from conducting the state's business. I, I don't think that that's a great long-term strategy. Yeah. I, and I wonder, how do they pay for all this? I mean, I know it's coming out of campaign funds, but $50,000 to charter a plane and then they're staying at the Washington Plaza. I mean, that I can't for a month. I mean, that's, that can't be cheap. Uh, and I think they chartered two planes and now three of those Texas lawmakers over, you know, last weekend tested positive for COVID. <laughs> Which is just, uh, just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they can't really point to any provisions that actually suppress the vote. That's what's interesting to me, too. I mean, they would say the Republican bill will take a will remove the 24 hour voting, which uh, was a, a covid thing for a very short time. But of course, that's incredibly expensive. And why do we need poll workers working in the, at two o'clock in the morning when nobody's showing up? And the bill increases minimum weekend hours to nine, you know, at least nine hours. And for most jurisdictions, it's going to be t- at least 12 hours. So now Texas, frankly, has a more accommodating election law than even New York or Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the big lie. I'm I'm just going to take that term and turn it on its head. It's the big lie that by asking people to show a picture ID, um, that that's racist, or that by you know, so, so a lot of state legislatures like Utah, we jumped into action during COVID. We made some temporary changes for the pandemic. But now the big lie on the Democratic side is if you if you change the change, if you go back and change what you did for the pandemic, then that's somehow racist as well. Yeah, it's all it's all just ridiculous and silly. Yeah. Political theater. All right, Corey, Democrats in Congress have released another blockbuster spending bill. This time it's only drumroll, please. Three point five trillion dollars, which puts the total. Uh, amount spent over the past couple of years, somewhere near 80 gazillion dollars. Where is this? Where is all this money supposed to go? Yeah, it's crazy. And we're essentially compiling uh, a Bernie Sanders goodie bag. It it includes universal pre-kindergarten, subsidized childcare, free community college. And uh, I mean, bummer for probably your kids who've already been through college. Could have been nice. Well, to, I, to I for free. my my youngest just graduated from high school last two months. Oh, ago. great! <laughs> you might score. So, paid family leave, uh, affordable housing subsidies, a big expansion of Obamacare, a three hundred billion dollar expansion of Medicare, which we all know is going bankrupt as it is, subsidies for climate change, and new harsh regulations on the electric utility sector, which of course will raise our rates. They plan to pay for some of this by raising taxes on U.S. businesses. So get ready, higher taxes on wealthier individuals, higher taxes on investments, 
and of course, uh, massive debt. The American Recovery Plan, we talked about this last time, this passed uh, back in March, a Democrat-only bill. That was the largest expansion of the welfare state in 70 years, and it, it just came through without a, without a peep, really, without a whimper. This is one and a half times as large. Just for some context, the cost, the entire cost to the United States of World War II in today's dollars was $4 trillion. So an entire World War II was $4 trillion. The last bill was uh, was two trillion, almost one point nine. This is three and a half trillion. Now we're, I mean, we're also looking at probably if if uh, the infrastructure bill passes, that's another trillion. So we're talking about upwards of over, you know, uh, a World War Two plus two thirds of another World War Two that we're spending this year alone. It's just a sea of red. And and not a single Republican vote on this. It's uh, completely right. Democrat. They're doing it through this budget trick called reconciliation. Um, so it's they're they're bending the rules um, to do this. And literally, I mean, where are all the Democrats who were talking about irresponsible spending under George W. Bush and yeah. Donald Trump, because they're not even pretending like there's a plan to pay for this. And, you know, oh, you're going to tax businesses. Well, guess what? Businesses pass their costs on to their consumers. So when you tax business, I mean, let's say McDonald's is the business. McDonald's is not going to just print their own money. They're going to raise the price of the French fries and the Big Mac. And so when you're taxing business, you're taxing the customers of the business. And we're also we're already seeing massive uh, inflation like we haven't seen in decades. And now let's, let's, yeah, this is, these are all bad ideas, which is not, is why not a single Republican is voting for them. Yeah. And I mean, if businesses will raise prices, if they can stay in business, because some of these taxes, some of the international taxes on our businesses are just completely insane. And it's going to, and it's going to push big companies to move their headquarters overseas. Like we saw during the Obama years when a handful of companies were moving to doing uh, inversions and moving to, to Ireland or whatever, but this, this is the classic. We're going to give you all this free stuff and we're going to make the rich guys pay for it. And it's a, it's, you know, and there is no happy ending to this fairy tale because when, when you say you're going to tax the ricks rich, I'm sorry, what you're doing is you're, you're telling the people that invest in our economy and create jobs that we're going to punish you for investing our econ in our economy and create jobs. I mean, the, 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 the rich already pay a lot of taxes. Like uh, I can't remember the statistics, but it's a tremendous amount of taxes that people, people think that they all are tax free when they're actually already paying, um, a lion's share of the budget. So you mentioned inflation, so with all this spending, and of course, last time we talked about difficulty for companies finding employees. So all this, you know, unsurprisingly has caused prices to rise. We had a new statewide Deseret News, Hinkley Institute of Politics poll. So thank you to them. And the poll showed 85% of Utahns said they were very or somewhat concerned about inflation. Todd, it sounds like you're pretty concerned about it. What do you think? Oh, I'm very concerned about it. I mean, have you pumped any gas lately? Yeah. Uh- it's, uh, you know, um, it, it, and it's unfortunately, as long as we have these tax and spend uh, Democrats in charge of all of Washington, D.C., um, the sky's the limit. They're, I mean, let's give away all give, give away all the things and we'll you know, tomorrow will never come. We'll never have to pay for this. Uh, we can just print new money or, or borrow it from China. It's so irresponsible. And 
you know, look at, I know that Republicans have overspent. I know that, but this is, this is bad times uh, uh, 10,000 here um, compared to, you know, George Bush had to respond to the 9-11. Uh, Trump had to respond to COVID. And, uh, you know, and, and even with those tra- national tragedies, I, I think they could have been more fiscally responsible. But we're not even in the same league here as what George W. Bush or Trump in terms of overspending. It's, uh, it, this is this is like infinity and beyond, to, to quote uh, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And this week, finally, the Chairman Powell admitted that there was uh, an inflation problem and it makes me worry like is there a recession coming and we're, we're in the market to to get a new vehicle and it's just it's sick how much yeah. i mean if you have a, a used car or especially a used truck right now hey now's a good time to sell it if you don't need it for the next nine months or, or a year or something i mean I, I love the way you you um you introduced that chairman powell finally had to admit i mean what happened to us living in a free country with a, with a fourth, fourth branch of government of the media asking hard questions? Instead, it's like we got Baghdad Bob. I don't know if you remember <laughs> yeah. after, during the Iraq invasion. There are the Americans are not here. There are no bombs. Everything's fine. Um, that's what we have going on right now with our national media, just trying to prop up Joe Biden and his bad ideas. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Well, as if higher taxes and costly grocery items weren't enough, this past week, Corey, Joe Biden released his plan to increase regulations and government intervention in the economy. Corey, doesn't this seem like exactly what we need? Yeah. So let me give you a sense for what's in this thing. It's price price controls on prescription drugs. It's command and control regulations of the Internet. It requires private railroads to share their tracks with Amtrak. I mean, it's just generally an attack on companies for being successful. I mean, the bottom line is Biden may have been elected as a moderate. I mean, this is just what we were saying, but he's governing as an Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders liberal. And and more than that, he's putting all of their people in positions of power at the FTC, FCC, you know, all these independent, quote unquote, independent agencies. And his uh, his economic team just has this 1970s retro misunderstanding of how the economy works. They think the government simply can you know pull this lever and turn that dial and magically jobs appear they really view the private sector as more than anything a tool to be used by the federal government but you know meanwhile despite unprecedented disruptions i just want to highlight like pharma you know is as reviled as as they are in some quarters like they actually delivered i mean they gave us the treatments they gave us vaccines in record time and u.s companies found a way to manufacture the ppe not to mention, like, there were shortages and, and supply uh, shocks. But, I mean, by and large, other than toilet paper and bottled water, I mean, we basically had, and wipes, <laughs> we basically had everything through the pandemic, which is pretty amazing when you think about how the borders were closed. And yeah. so, I mean, I mean tr- the truth to be told, like, Biden's really his only contribution to, like, the supply chain issue throughout uh, COVID is... Uh, he, you know, a month or so ago, he he announced they were going to give away. He was going to allow our our uh, the intellectual property of American pharmaceutical companies to just be given away for free to like China and Russia, which yeah. of course makes tons of sense. But I mean, these guys just don't understand that. Like you said, the government doesn't create jobs; it's the private sector that does. Yeah, it's just uh, you know President Biden um, campaign saying that a vote for him was a vote to, of returning to normalcy and. Uh, we haven't seen any normalcy since January 22nd. In fact, you know, I, I'm going to second what you said. This is the Bernie Sanders agenda. And uh, sadly, the uh, the Democratic Party is is a collection of different special interests 
who are absolutely demanding these types of um, uh, progressive reforms to be made. And, uh, you know, and if somehow Biden survives the midterms with the with the House of Representatives, um, that, you know, we're going to see more of this. But I think I think the writing is on the wall. I think everyone in D.C. Uh, understands that the Republicans will probably take back the, U- the U.S. House of Representatives in November of 2022. So I, I think they're trying to get everything done they can before that happens to, um, you know, because they don't want, you know, they, they don't want to operate in a bipartisan way and they, they don't want to, I think, respect the will of the American voter. Yeah. hundred percent as part of this, uh, this pressure campaign on, on Manchin and others to get rid of the, the and, and by the way, I just want to say, I mean, we know that this country, it, you know, we're a center right country. Um, we, we don't see any attempt from the white house to govern in a center right manner. Yeah. This is a, a foot on the gas pedal, you know, all, all break, you know, no breaking as liberal and progressive as we can do. And this is just a race to November, 2022, you know, before, you know, before the Republicans can say no. All right, let's talk some political buzz. Last week, we talked about how Becky Edwards and Ali Isom had jumped into the race to challenge Mike Lee for U.S. Senate. Well... Edwards just posted her first fundraising totals, and she has a pretty strong top-line number, raising $500,000 in the second quarter of 2021. Todd, are you impressed? Yeah. I, in fact, I, I think um, we, we mentioned, I mentioned that number last week. I didn't realize the reports hadn't come out yet, but I have been talking to some people in that camp. But um, I think she raised 225 and she donated 275 And of course, you know, I think most of our listeners know Becky Edwards is married to the son of LaBelle Edwards. And so you, you see some NFL people like Andy Reid and other people kicking in, which is impressive. And, and Becky and John are great people. They have lots of friends. And, um, and, and I think it's a great, um, it's a great start. And what's going to be really interesting to, to see is how Allie Isom can try to match that in her first quarter, which started on July 1st. Yeah. Yeah. It's my sense that I think Allie will probably have a good number too, a a pretty strong number, but it was, I mean, it was also reported, of course, Mike Lee also had to report his fundraising and, and he raised a million dollars in the quarter, which is the most he's ever done. So he's, he's gearing up and getting ready. He is now, um, Allie, you know, she worked for several years for, Governor Gary Herbert. And so the question is, is, is he going to help her raise money? And I think the answer to that is yes. Mm. Um, but I think the the second question is, is how effective will that be? If he was still the governor, it'd be one thing, but he's, you know, he's hung up his boxing gloves. And so the question is, is, you know, when Gary Herbert calls is now a former governor, you know, do people answer and return those calls? Yeah, and I guess yeah. that's what we're going to see. Yeah, it's a good point. And you made the point last, last time too, that raising money for state races are just so much different than, than federal races because you don't have the, the same restrictions. I mean, yes, I think right sure. now it's $2,800 is how much you can give for a primary per person. So now you, Becky you and Allie, they can raise Utah's unique because of our convention process. So they can raise $2,800 for each cycle. And we have that third cycle because we have the convention and caucus convention and then the primary yeah. and then the general. So um, just so our listeners know, you can raise 2,800 times three. And then if you don't make it that far, then you have to refund some of that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, you think, do you think these uh, strong numbers, let's, let's assume that uh, Allie comes out with a, with a, a strong number as well. Like, do you think that dissuades others like 
you mentioned Henry Iring or others from hopping in? It, maybe, uh, maybe yes, maybe no. But I also think there's a little bit of um, um, a snowball effect or <laughs> an avalanche effect, you know, and this is what happened with Bob Bennett. It's like, you know, Tim Bridgewater announced he was going to run. Mark Shortliff announced he was going to run. So then people are like, oh, oh, you know, there's some big names that think this guy's vulnerable. So maybe I should jump right. in. Well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It could go either way. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Brian Schott reported this week that after uh, trolling the furthest ethers of the uh, corners of the internet, he found a petition seeking to remove Governor Cox and Lieutenant Governor Deirdre Henderson from office. And apparently accuses them of treason and sedition for the Utah leads together and stay home, stay, stay safe plans that were implemented in, in response to COVID. Todd, should Cox and Henderson worry about this threatening petition? No. And, you know, I, Brian Schott does a great job. You know, he recently moved from Utah policy to the Salt Lake Tribune. But these are the dog day, the political dog days of summer. There's not a lot of um, political news uh, other than a fundraising report here and there. And yet a reporter, they have to meet their deadline, you know. And so, you know, Brian's scouring all of the weird Facebook groups looking for something that he can write about. And congratulations, he found something. But just because three people on Facebook are doing something <laughs> stupid doesn't mean that um, Cox and Henderson need to take it seriously. And th and this is not a serious petition. Yeah. This is not a, a, a commentary on, on him per se, but uh, I mean, I think there is the, there is an element of uh, a reporter sort of out there who just kind of revel in finding the most furthest afield and, like if, and, if someone and then they has try a, to say, if you're a Republican, yeah, you're, exactly and you must be queuing on, even though I personally have been, uh, you know, the, at the center of like Republican, we'll call it quote unquote establishment politics, my entire career. And it's like, I don't know anybody who knows QAnon or who follows that, or, yeah. and I'm not entirely sure I know anyone who knows anyone who does. Yeah. <laughs> and another big lie of Democrats in 2021 is if you voted for Trump or even if you like something Trump did or said or thought of, yeah. then you're responsible for the January 6th <laughs> right. uh, insurgency. Yeah. Yeah. You liked, you liked the uh, district court judge that was, <laughs> yeah. was put yeah. into your state. So you must, uh, you, you're yeah. responsible. You're culpable. All right. That's all the time we have. That's political as heck. Catch us next time. <laughs>